The Giants were absolutely obliterated by the Seahawks in the MetLife mess Monday night, losing 24-3. to What the heck happened? Rabbit Giants fan and actor Jerry Ferrara will co-host this post-game episode with us as we break down what went wrong for Big Blue as they now fall to 1-3 on the season. It's all coming up next on Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. I'm Brandon London. Ugh, I was at that mess last night at MetLife Stadium. I'm joined by my other co-host, another guy who was there in the press box for that Giants beatdown. He's the Giants beat writer for the New York Post, Paul Schwartz. And we got our two-time Super Bowl champion, kicker Lawrence Tynes. Watch the game from home. He was tweeting, interacting with you people, trying to keep your heads up. And today, I want to introduce a special guest co-host. He's a big Giants fan, and he's an actor. He's not acting as a Giants fan. He really does bleed blue. You know him from tur- as Turtle from Entourage. You've seen him in Power, all these other shows and movies. It's Jerry Ferrara. Welcome to the gang. Welcome to Blue Rush. Uh, fellas, I don't even know where to get into this. Giants lose 24-3 to the Seahawks at home. They're 1-3 and three on the season. Another primetime loss. Jerry, we're going to kick it to you. We're going we, we to give it to you. You tell us what you felt watching that. Yeah, I, I my best acting performance was trying not to be embarrassed last night and still trying to defend this team on social media. Uh, it was rough because I really thought they were going to show up for that. You know, I don't believe in the early playoff games in week four, but it certainly was a, a game you had to get at home. Uh, I know they were a little banged up, but yeah, it just so many things to unpack. So I don't want to jump too far ahead, but. I had a hard time sleeping after that one last night. Times you were tweeting, what, what you were you were active on X last night? Yeah, I kind of shut it down in the second half. I just started doing some brainstorming, like what in the hell happened to this football team? Like that's what I kept saying to myself. Having been in a locker room, I'm trying to think of a scenario. Like what happened? And, and really, I don't have an answer. I don't think obviously Brian Dable has an answer. I think there's some chemistry issues in that locker room. If I had to guess, there's something going on. Obviously, the offensive line is a mess, but I feel like there's something going on. I don't know what it is. Um, they just look so undisciplined. Um, defense gave a winning effort last night. Whether you want to believe that or not, they did. We gave up a pick six. We turned the ball over inside our own red zone, basically give them 14 points. The Seattle Seahawks did not play well to be honest with you. Defense gave a winning effort. The offense, we'll get into it. It's pretty embarrassing, guys. Paul, we're in the locker room. We we were there. They were playing their ping pong. They seemed loose but focused at the same time. Were you expecting a performance like this? Well, I mean, you can't expect a performance like that. I mean, you have to be a biggest doomsayer ever. Um, You know, to Jerry's point about not sleeping, uh, Darren Waller after the game said, um, look, Darren Waller was targeted, what, once when the game was really, you know, sort of a game. And then he got a couple of, you know, late, late receptions, which didn't amount to anything. And Waller, after the game, said, as a playmaker, I can't just go home and go to sleep knowing what I've done in this league and what I'm capable of. So, you know, he is, you know, back in the spring and summer, Darren Waller was the thing, right? He was the it. You know, he was the guy who's, the, who's, who's, who's unguardable, you know, this this unicorn. Uh, well, the unicorn, you know, has no horn, right? The, the whole offense has no horn. And to, to your point, Lawrence, about the, you know, something missing, Dexter Lawrence, who is one of the team captains, right? They have 10 of them, right? So 
it, it, there's, there's, uh, if there's if there's uh, power in, in numbers, then they got enough t- team captains. Uh, Dexter Lawrence said that we have to be honestly accountable to each other. And he said, I am not afraid to hurt someone's feelings. I want to win. So, you know, you guys could interpret that the way it is. But, you know, as you said, the defense was fine. You know, it wasn't great, but it was fine. So whose feelings does he want to hurt? Does he want to walk into the offensive line room and say, guys, you're not giving us a chance to win here? Paul, Paul, can I tag on to that 10 captain thing? If you have 10, you have none. Uh, To me, that's them reaching for who is our leader, right? We knew when we played Brandon, there was two on offense, two on defense, and two on special teams. When you have 10, you have none. There are no leaders. There really isn't. If you're handing out 10 C's on your shirt, you don't know as a head coach or a staff who the hell our leader is. That's what that tells me. And it's almost like Oprah. You get a C. You get a C. You get a it's C. It's ridiculous. And if it's you don't, it's ridiculous. I have, I'm actually one of the cap. I'm the 11th captain. I'm the social media captain. Yes. What do you, hey, Jerry, what do you, because w- there's always an undertone to what these players are saying. Let's start with Darren Waller and De- Dexter Lawrence. Darren Waller saying, I've had success in this league. I'm basically saying, like, what am I doing here? You're not using me. And then Dexter Lawrence talking about some, I'm not afraid to hurt somebody's feelings calling them out. Do you feel that team, this team is going, they're they're kind of leading to imploding on the season? I mean, I think it's close. That's probably going to be the biggest challenge amongst the coaches of not having this team sort of pack it in and, and say, see you next year or whoever's left. I just looked at it too, like, look, this is a little more nuanced than just they're really playing bad. I think, you know, they overperformed last year to our delight. And that was fantastic. And then that I think we became ahead of schedule. So then the offseason was ahead of schedule. Let's have a good draft. You bring in Waller. Now we're real close, right? We're real close. And maybe we just really overperformed last year. and We weren't as close as we thought. Now, I'm not trying to be that negative. That's possible. The injuries, especially on the offensive line, of course, uh, the schedule is going to be brutal coming up. And then you got to look at Daniel Jones and say, okay, look, you want to get the praise when you win. You're going to get the big money. You're going to have to take this hit now that we're losing. But it was not just, to be clear, not just his fault. From the muffed punt, that was a bad sign already to the poor. I know the defense did play well, Lawrence, to your point, but, you know, no offense on the sideline. I mean, come on. That was that was just a lapse of focus. Like push the guy. You were expecting him to go out of bounds. Well, he didn't push him out of bounds. So there's just so many things. I think the biggest challenge besides getting Daniel Jones to hit an open waller in the end zone for the coaches is going to be how do we not lose this team completely? But they're, they're pros. And I don't expect this team to kind of just go quietly into the night. And even before the muff punt, it was the fourth and one in the red zone that they didn't get. And the defense came out and made a stop. Paul, uh, all the vitriol online is is Daniel Jones, is it offensive line? You had you were the eye in the sky yesterday. You got a chance to see it. Give us your thoughts. Is it Daniel, is it the offensive line? In some ways, you can praise Daniel Jones in a game that he was sacked 10 times. He should have been sacked 15 times. I mean, he really should have been sacked 15 times. Um, Now, I'm not saying, you know, Daniel Jones played great. I mean, the interception can't happen. You know, it just can't happen. You can't throw a pick six there. That's all there was to it. His second interception, he forced. uh, You know, this was like, you know, him as a rookie, the the, the fumble. Um, He eludes a sack and steps into the fumble because the guy is now able to chase him from behind and chop down, you know, so his his – elusiveness and agility 
hurt him in that situation. You know, everyone sees on video Brian Dable going over with him with that tablet, right? You know, these tablets and, and you know, talking to him and then kind of flipping the tablet away. To Jerry's point about last year overachieving and things like that, look, last year Brian Dable was the coach of the year, and that fiery demeanor was loved. We love it, right? The coaches, the, the players love it, the fans love it when he's busting and he's he's sweating it and just like the fans. And this year, that stuff looks a little out of control when you're losing, right? Calm down. Don't, you know, just explain it. You know, so it goes both ways. I mean, I don't want to get too down here, but Joe Judge had a good first year and it went in the in the toilet in the second year. You know, Ben McAdoo had a great first year. It went in the toilet in the second year. I'm not saying that's happening with Brian Dable, but a lot of times that first year, you know, that innocent climb, as Pat Riley used to say, with the new head coach, the second year, it's like a reality shot. I mean, this is some reality shot. I mean, you know, Brian Dable, at some point in the press conference, somebody was giving him, you know, well, Brian, you lost, in, you know, 40 to nothing, 30 to 12. You know, this game was not close. And, you know, Dable just looks looks up and he says, yeah, I know the scores. Yeah, I, I know the scores. Like, yeah, I know. You can you can beat me and beat me. I know the scores, man. Times, one thing, too, one thing I'm hearing all morning is, Two things can be true. The offensive line needs to play better. Daniel Jones needs to play better. Can two things be true when we're talking about these performances? Yeah, he. to be honest with you, he was not good early, and they had a chance. The the pick six, as you mentioned, cannot happen. Um, I get he's under duress, and we'll give him all the slack in the world that he deserves for playing behind that offensive line. Uh, Play calling has to be questioned. The whole coaching staff has to be questioned in some regards on offense. It's just – you know, they started, again, started with a great drive early, just like the Cowboy game, and come away with no points, right? Remember the block field goal? They don't even kick the field goal. I'm okay with going for it there. That's on Daniel, too. If you watch, uh, Sean O'Hara did a really nice job of breaking down the old tush push. They got a bunch of tush, but not not a lot of push. And and the thing is, I actually heard that and copyrighted that from someone I don't know where last night, but – if you they got a lot of push, all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you watch that play, and Sean did a great job in the post game, him and Victor Cruz, of Daniel left his feet. You can't leave your feet in that. You got to keep your feet in the ground. And so what happened is when he left his feet, Bobby Wagner just came over and ragdolled him. Um, you've got to keep your feet in the ground. So that's on him. There's a lot that's on him. But, guys, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. There's not a quarterback in this league that could play well behind that offensive line. Not a single quarterback in this game, I don't care how good you are, could play behind that offensive line. And I'll take that to my grave. They are that bad. Um, And he plays like that, right? If you think about the interception, that's because his internal clock is sped up so much that he wants to get the ball out. And, you know, my son said this to me last night. He goes, man, I wish I had Daniel Jones's composure. Think about that. My son is 16. I wish I had his composure. I would throw something, yell at somebody. I think that's what we all want him to do. It's as bad as it's been. You know, this is Joe Judge's name was thrown around a lot in my house last night. That's what it feels like. And we're going back to the oh. to the QB sneak on the one yard line days. All right. It felt uh, that bad. Jerry, we talk about the offensive line. They kind of didn't hold up not only in the pass protection, but running. Uh Daniel Jones, 10 carries, 66 yards. Matt Breida, 14 carries. Three yards, that's 2.1 on the average. Gary Brightwell, four for nine. I mean, if this was Madden, how you get this offense going, man? Like, how do we get them going? Yeah, that's that's what I meant, too, when I said just, you know, they're, everyone is accountable at this point. And I, I do agree with Lawrence. I don't think any quarterback could thrive on that offensive line. 
And then we we have to talk about the man who wasn't there. I, I don't even know if Saquon could have saved all, but at least it seems like with Saquon, there's a different game plan. Obviously, the Giants do not probably run the same game plan with Brita as they do with Barkley because he's just such a dynamic player. So I don't know if he just to get a ton more credit for the overachievement, but I on the play calling level and on the schematic level too, it does not look like there is any sort of design to get the run game going. It seems very basic, and he just Daniel Jones just throwing too much. And then also too, you get you know we talked about the muff punt, and then Brightwell made you know a couple of dumb discipline penalties almost at this, just things you cannot have when you are struggling. The the best offensive plays we had were face masks. When we got face mask penalties, we were only in that red zone position when Daniel Jones threw the pick because of a face mask that advanced of 15 yards. So yeah, it's really hard also to know with a bad offensive line, the, hey, they're throwing. And that pick six was terrible. That was probably the easiest pick six my man had in his whole career. Because at some point, you you know it's, it's one, two pass. There's no threat of a run. So I, I don't know. Maybe Barkley saves all. Maybe that's the thread uh, or at least helps. But yeah, I, I, there's just no semblance of a running attack. So makes it even easier for the defense. On that pick six, I'm wondering if Daniel knew. I mean, he obviously knows the play call. He called it. But they ran those return routes where they've been running those out routes all the time with Paris Campbell's. You go out, you put the foot in the ground, and you come back in. He threw it to the outside shoulder like he was throwing it to the out route. So that's something like thinking, I'm like, what, what, like, what is going on here? And we're talking about Matt Breida stepping in for Saquon. Matt Breida, 19 touches for 78 yards. That's Saquon on 19 touches. You know, I'm I'm looking at at least a buck 50 there. Let's Riverside it. Talk about the defense. I'll start with you, uh, Jerry. Uh, defensively, uh, Tyne said that they played well enough for them to win this game. Are there any defensive standouts or shoutouts? Or what do you think about Wink and uh, defense having to uh, kind of carry the team last night? Well, I'm excited to hear Lawrence's Paul's and Paul's thoughts on this too because uh, I, I did a little bit of research when everybody was giving Thibodeau such a hard time early and just what a difference his numbers are when he has old Jolari on the other side. Just it, it's night and day. Now, sure, you could say, well, he, why does he need another person to make his play better? But it, it it makes a difference when the guy's not getting doubled. So defensively, I really thought, like Lawrence said earlier, I thought that it was a winnable game. They 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 played a win. Other than that fan play, which I still cannot get over that. It wasn't even missed tackles. It was non-tackles. But they finally started getting pressure. Uh, they they went at our young corner banks a little bit with DK Metcalf early. I was worried, but then he sort of fought back and made some plays late. So uh, defensively really is the only bright spot I think you could point to. And maybe a little Wondell Robinson back off the injury looked like he wanted to make some plays. But yeah, I, I'll kick it to... Lawrence and Paul here. I was optimistic, but still, you know, wasn't perfect by any stretch. Yeah, I thought defense did fine. I love these two young corners. Deontay Banks hung in there all day. He is a dog. He is going to man up against one of the best receivers in pro football, and he just competed his tail off. We didn't even hear Trey Hawkins' name all night. That's incredible, guys. Wait, wait, They've got some much. piece. He didn't, oh, he he didn't, didn't? play much. Yeah, no. Well, maybe Trey that's Hawkins why. Didn't play much. Yeah, yeah. Way to kill my entire point. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> um, you know, let, I mean, you, listen, it, the viewers it, it, the viewers would have never have known that. Uh, anyway, uh, I think a bright spot again, like Jerry said, Wondell Robinson. Man, is he explosive. He looks really good. And and I know this is a little bit of a homer, guys, but let's not forget about Graham Goodell. Like, I, what he's doing is extraordinary. Like, I played that position 
And and the way he's making these things look like 42 yarders, I mean, they can't even get the poor guy inside of 55. It's unreal what he's doing. The special teams, I will criticize them. Got six penalties. That hurt that football team. Uh, stupid plays by Brightwell, stupid play. Cam Brown could have got called for one late in the game, shoving the kid. What are you doing? Then, you know, things that make me mad is kind of an old school player, the, the laughing on the sideline. I know I that's just where I'm from. And 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 when you're losing and you're doing silly stuff that can hurt your team, what are you laughing about? That's a Tom Coughlin and me coming out. But the discipline here is not good enough. But I know I got off topic. The defense, I thought, did well enough. Uh, and I really liked Okereke's effort. Uh, he did miss some tackles, but still, yeah. I loved Okereke's effort. You know, Wink Martindale challenged, you know, all of us, right? He said, look, you watch you watch on Monday night and you count those missed tackles. There weren't a lot of them. They played better. You know what? There's a couple of things. First of all, um, you know, they made a decision. We made a big deal. Oh, they're playing two rookie cornerbacks. It never happens. It never happens. You know, and 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 those guys are not getting killed game in and game out. But Trey Hawkins has definitely been the second of the two cornerbacks, and that's why Cordell Flott was on the field a lot Um Yesterday, you know, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see. I didn't see his final snap count, but it's it's. Yeah, you know, did okay. Yeah, he did okay. Um, you know, right in the beginning of the game, I'm looking. I say, okay, Metcalf is taking Deontay Banks to school. See, but you know what happens in these games? The opposing offense is shut down in a lot of ways. They sense right away at a certain point we don't need to score a lot of points in this game. I mean, I think Seattle could have have done more on offense. You know, then. Gino goes out, Drew Locke comes in, you know, he's the one who threw the pass, the fan, he's the one who ran for a first down. I mean, so the defense certainly is not dominating and changing games, but, you know, they played well enough, certainly. Certainly they played well enough. And, and, and the Lawrence, what you said about special teams, I mean, all summer we looked back there, right? I'm watching all these practices in training camp, and they, you can tell they want, they want Gray, you know, the rookie, to win the punt return job. They, they, they're putting him back there. They're not having Sterling Shepard back there. Adoree catches some. You know, he's not going to do it after he got hurt doing it last year. They have Darius Slayton back there. You know, they want Eric Gray to, to do it. Doesn't look great in the summer. Do it. And then he muffs a punt. You know, he hasn't looked great doing it all since he's been here. And they're so defensive at a place that should be offensive. So many of these teams in the league, they have a jet back there, right? So, you know, don't let him get his hands on the ball. The Giants are like, just fair catch and we'll be have, okay. Have wow. you seen that kid from the Eagles? I, I don't even know his name. Little white dude oh, back yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Man, yeah, yeah. you don't he's think fearless. he's a game changer for yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. We've never had that. Haven't had it probably since Dominic Hickson. Dominic Hickson. If you think about yeah. it. I was actually more afraid of a healthy Drew Locke last night. I'm glad they took him out. Too. I was a little afraid of Drew Locke, too. I didn't like because he's moving he, around there. He can spin it. Like he's kind of the Brett Favre. He's got some skills. He he's a really he's a good player, but like I was glad they put Gino back in because I knew he was injured a little bit. But a healthy Drew Locke, I think, could have put up 35 points. But they didn't have to. That's the point. They, they didn't have to. to. Correct. Correct. They don't Correct. have to. You know, that's why some of the numbers get skewed down. It's like yes. You That's know, a great we'll point, run, Paul. We'll run Kenneth Walker. We'll do this. We'll pick up our first mm-hmm. downs. You know, there's no. That's why they went for it in, late in the game, right? They're like, oh, this offense can't move the football. And, you know, we'll get the ball back. And when you guys talk about Tay Banks and DK Metcalf, a lot of the, a couple of those catches came off of scrambles. Like, it's hard to ask a rookie corner to hang with the DK Metcalf for five plus seconds on snaps. Uh, Cordell Flott had one tackle. It was that open field tackle on that bubble screen on that opening drive. And I thought of you times because all last year you were like, keep an eye out That's on my him. Guy. And I was watching him. 
he came in and he obviously one tackle only registered one tackle, but the communication, like I'm standing on the sideline and I'm watching him signal stuff to a Dory Jackson to looking back, talking to Jason Pennock in the corners. He looks like he wants to take over that slot job. He looks like he wants to come in and get more time. Okereke had a, a pretty solid game. Like you said, missed a couple of tackles. Aziz's speed flashed a lot last year. And I think the frustration when it comes to this guy, it's like, we need this guy on the field. He's going to help Kayvon in that run game. Leonard Williams, where, 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 where is he? You know, he's getting a face mask. He got a face mask penalty. And and that's not, if you're, if you're, if that's what we know you as, if that's what your highlight of the night was, then that's, that's really unfortunate uh, right now. When we talk about those special teams uh, penalties times, we know mm. we come from that that Tom. We, don't beat yourselves again. I, I sound like a broken record, but the six, six special that has teams. to be some sort of record. Mike Eisen could probably tell us that has to be some incredible Giants record. Six, never heard of that. I think I think there were two on one play. They 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 declined one of them. Right? I think there yeah. actually was seven. You know what I mean? It's like like a and then, you know, and then Brightwell runs into the punter. And we get a holding call on the very right. same play. It's like you can't even get the ball back. It was just – it's not good enough. And it's – you know, there's a lot of soul-searching going on in that building this morning. On prime time. Uh, that's three mm. prime time games for the Giants. They've been outscored 94-15 to 15 in oh, prime time God. games. You got the Miami Dolphins coming up on Sunday. Then you got another prime time one, if it's not flex, with the Buffalo Bills at Buffalo – uh, let's get final thoughts, and then, Jerry, let's talk to you what you got going on, my man. So let's start with you, uh, you Paul. Final thoughts, wrap it up for us, uh, and then we'll pass it to time. Well, my final thoughts are, you know, the last two Sundays, the Giants didn't play, right? So I get to sit home, right? They played a Thursday night game, and then they played a Monday night game. So the Sundays I get to watch football, right, like a fan, right, kind of sit back, watch, you know, check in on the games I want. And, <clears throat> look, there's not a lot of, you know, it's not all great football out there, but I see – cohesive offenses operating you know i see team quarterbacks you know they don't have 100 seconds back there but i see okay that's what it's supposed to look like you know then the better team wins and then i watch the giants and from the first snap it 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 it's it's garbage on offense because i mean the offensive line i mean it it's not interesting to talk about you know what i mean ben bredesen josh azudu you know shane lemieux you know john michael schmitz who got hurt you know lemieux who got hurt you know, Andrew Thomas, who got hurt on a freaking, you know, blocked field goal return. You know, I mean, so these are not, you know, you know, when you assign stories, you know, and then people tell me, so what are you going to I'm going to write the offensive line. You know, you can see the editor's eyes kind of rolling. It's like really not going to make the back page of the post. You know what I mean? You know, you know, the the uh, you know, the uh, the run blocking, but it's essential. It's essential. And they can't do it. They can't do the basics right now. And there's no cavalry charge. I mean, you know, you know, Matt Pert, they bring him in the game. You know, they they said he's in the game. You know, you know he's the extra blocker. He's not blocking anything. I mean, it's it's really until that happens. You know, as Dexter Lawrence said, you know, he's not afraid to uh, hurt feelings. I mean, that's a three hundred fifty pound man who you know I don't want to see him going into the offensive line room. You know, someone's not coming out alive there. Yeah, but that's not going to help them win football games. I mean, you can you can go in the locker room and mf and hurt feelings all you want, but the reality is these players have to play better. Um, and I don't know how that's going to happen. We've seen four games of it offensive line-wise. It could be worse than it has been. And, and I know Andrew Thomas is the missing piece, and he's out, and he makes everything go to some extent. But 
I'm worried. I, I'm really worried. Uh, the coach of the year, the reigning coach of the year, has a big task on his hands. And this will, we will see what Brian Dable is all about because, A, the media is on him, the fans are on him, the players are going to be looking for answers, especially on defense. How do you fix the offense and vice versa? This will be a critical moment in his career as Giants coach. How do you come back from that? Like that first quarter was about as bad a start as you could have. And thank God they played 30 minutes of good football or we could be talking about an 0-4 team, which, quite frankly, they should have lost that game. Uh, they pulled it out. And they're 1-3, and and it doesn't get easier. But I think that's my fear is, like, you don't want this team to fracture. They can't afford to sustain any more injuries. And, and let's see how Brian Dable uh, galvanizes his football team, if he can. Sometimes these things have a way of – galvanizing you it's the me against the world mentality but again you got to have players that can play and i don't think they have enough one quick thing xavier mckinney said in the locker room after the game late we can definitely go sideways you know sure. so it's oh, yeah. not like oh no we got he said we can definitely go sideways i do understand this league it's tough and you got to be able to respond quickly or else it can go south they are going south right they're going to miami so Let's see. Ah, uh, oh, like <laughs> Make sure to tip your waiters healthy here. And and if if he's already saying it, Paul, that means it's already going there. That means he's already hopped on the turnpike. You already know? in there somewhere. Yeah. As soon as as soon as it hits the press and you start putting it out there, you're you're already far gone. And he played for Joe about, Judge. So yeah, yeah, Brian Dable. You not only have to galvanize that locker room, but the fan base. As well as a lot of people upset. I mean, you got the Ford F one fifty commercial. You know, that's it's a lot. You got to bring the fan base back in as well. Uh, Jerry, give us your final thoughts on the on the Giants. What new projects you working with? You want to plug something, man? The floor is yours. Yeah, I, I I try to be optimistic. Okay, I really do because I think it's so easy to be negative, and with the way they've played, it's very easy to be negative. Uh. Bottom line for me, th this team does not have enough firepower to ever play from behind. I mean, that Cardinals game was an aberration, and if anyone else but the Cardinals, I think you're right, they don't come back. Squandering now a first, a couple, two now first drives that should have ended in points, no matter what, that end up in almost negative points, just can't happen. My biggest fear, and you're right, Lawrence, and, and Paul, I think that Dable has his hands full to try, because... I don't want to talk about the, the Jets for a second. Salah was on the hot seat in a similar position last year, and he got the team to at least respond. Most coaches, I think, in New York, that's their ending right there. They get fired, and at least they responded. So now we're going to see. Dable hasn't really had to get them to respond yet because they were kind of front runners last year. So let's see how they respond. But my big fear is if this thing does go sideways, like McKinney said, and we get late in the year, and it looks like a top five pick, then we're going to get all the rumblings about, are we getting a quarterback in here? It's going to just, it's really going to go sideways if it gets to week 12 and this team's packing it in, looking at what draft pick they're going to get. It's really going to go sideways. So I just expect a response. Just give me, give me the effort. And, and I do, I, I need to see some Saquon. Maybe he really was the glue that kept this thing together at least from being front runners and keeping guys focused we're, we're gonna see we're gonna find out he should be back or very close to being back yeah saquon has a lot of leverage right now yeah, it's hard to plug anything right now i'm so depressed uh <laughs> all i'm gonna say is look the writer's strike is over in hollywood that's a big step right there so uh 
you know, I was writing and producing a project for Netflix so we could hopefully get back to work on that. And then hopefully, you know, I know the actors union, they're meeting all week this week. So hopefully that resolves and we can all just go back to work because that's what we're all hoping to do. So and the Giants, Giants need to go back to work. Giants football was <laughs> supposed to be your escape from it all, huh? Exactly. <laughs> well, we got to get you at the influencer suite at the stadium, man. We'll definitely connect, get you uh, get you out there. We thank you for coming on. Uh, Paul, Tynes, anything before we uh, we throw it to the Scotsman? Yeah, I, you know, I want to know from Jerry, like, you know, I always wonder about this. You know, I was a fan of so many of him and so many things. Like, you know, we talk about the locker room and the team and when things go south. I mean, you're you're I mean, do you consider you the cast and crew part of a team? And is there adversity when things go bad? You know, I don't know. Bad show, bad acting, bad writing, bad ratings. You know, I mean, do you have lessons there as far as we got to hold this stuff together that is applicable to sports? Because, you know, I deal in the sports world. I don't deal in your world. And, you know, I think we all want to be in your world. Paul, I I think. That is a wonderful question because I think there are so many similarities, especially with a show, maybe not as much a movie, although if it's a movie that, you know, like a Marvel movie that shoots for a year, sure. But a show, you know, very much function like a locker room. Guys going through stuff off camera, it certainly comes to to work with them. Uh, sometimes a bad script, you know, but guess what? I've seen good actors save a bad script. I've seen I've seen a bad actor get saved by a really good script. So there's things that can come along and say, but the one thing I will say that is applicable is if you're playing tight and you're thinking too much about what you're trying to do, even with acting, if you're thinking, I don't want to suck, I don't want to screw this take up, I, you have no chance. And if these guys are thinking, I don't want to miss this block, I don't want to miss the open, you got no chance. Confidence is key with acting. And I think it's the same thing with, with football, confidence and making it just involuntary, just react, just Go out there and play. Same thing with acting. I, I heard the I've seen good actors save a bad script. It's the same thing, right? A quarterback raising his team's level above the X's and O's. I have a question. My my question is, and I always love to hear the stories behind this. How are how did you become a Giants fan? Is this dad, mom, family, grandpa? Where did it start? And what is your first memory of being a Giants fan? Uh, my first real memory of being a Giants fan is also one of the greatest days of my life. So uh, 1990s, I was about nine years old, where I really started understanding football and knowing all the rules. So I watched that whole season with my uncle, who was a big Giants fan. And in one day, it's the greatest, one of the greatest days of my life. The, you know, there was the game where Leonard Marshall knocks Montana out. Matt Barr hits the field goal. Giants go to the Super Bowl. And then later that night to celebrate, my uncle took me to see Home Alone in theaters. That's how old I am. We saw Home Alone in the theater, giant tub of popcorn, a soda. It just was the greatest day of my life. So uh, ever since then, it's been off to the races. Uh, I, I mean, I watch every game. I watch every snap. I watch every play. Dave Meggett and Mark Bavaro, my two favorite Giants ever. I used to wear a Dave Meggett jersey in the schoolyard playing two and touch. So, uh, you know, I, I'm and I, I think the key to all fandom is it's easy to be a fan last year. Can you be a fan this year? And 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 I am support the good and the bad. And right now things are bad and hope for better days. I've got one more for Jerry real quick. Benson Hurst, New Utrecht, right? You know, yes, who sir. You, have, you know who you have that in common with? Who's that? Jack Schwartz, who is now in Boca Raton, who is my father, who turns 95 this week. OK, and 
has been a Giant fan a lot longer than all of us have been alive. So when I saw Bensonhurst, New Utrecht, you know, my father always talks about Bensonhurst and this and that. So you come from the same ilk just a little later than he did. So you can wish my father a happy birthday, okay? I will definitely that? wish him a happy birthday as a fellow Ute. I mean, that's the funny part. New Utrecht, our team name was the Utes. It was almost that joke out of Cousin Vinny, like the two Utes. Like, what is a Ute? None of us ever knew. Another fun fact about New Utrecht, it was in the opening credit montage of Welcome Back, Cotter. That was its claim to fame. That was like the high school of Welcome Back, Cotter. It was technically supposed to be like New Utrecht. So happy birthday to your pops. That's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, last question comes from our producer, Jake Brown. He wants to know on that episode of Entourage, when you guys filmed with Tom Brady, what was that like? I mean, it was incredible. You know, I, I, I often say, too, that was initially supposed to be Peyton and Eli Manning. It, they, they requested to be on the show. So it was written for that. But then something happened where they had to pull out, you know, and we were a little bit of a bind. And that's where having like Mark Wahlberg as your executive producer was clutch because Mark was like, you want me to call Tom? And I just we all stood there like Tom who Tom and Jerry what are you talking about. He's like Brady. <laughs> And this was the year Brady was coming off the knee injury. So no one had seen him in, in well over a year. And he showed up 5 a.m. to shoot. He piped the drive right down the middle about 295. And couldn't have been, not that he needs more praise, couldn't have been cooler, signed a bunch of stuff for the crew. And, you know, we still put in a 12-hour day and just was really happy to be there. And it was awesome. It was tough to be mean to him. But I did save those giant head covers for my driver and my three-wood from that episode. I stole those real quick, and those are still in my golf bag to this day. I love it. That's awesome. Look, man, we thank you for joining us, man. Uh, this was this was an awesome podcast, man. I loved hearing your thoughts on not only the team, but how, you know, the set life is just like being in the locker room. So uh, we appreciate you coming on, and good luck with everything you have coming up. And now it's time to hear from the Scotsman. Yeah, not good. So uh, a lot of work that needs to be done. And that says cheerio to episode 153 of Blue Rush, our very sad New York Giants podcast today from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Andrew Harts for producing the show. I'm battling a bit of a cold, so I may sound a lot different with this congestion going on right now, Lawrence. But how are you feeling? This team is terrible right now. I, you didn't lose your voice ranting. You kept it pretty monotone. But I know when you're at home, you're throwing things on the couch. Well, I'm working on my arm strength. It seems the Mets could use a little righty with a little sinker. Subscribe to Blue Rush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Watch full episodes by subscribing to the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Just follow the Blue Rush playlist. Give us a wee thumbs up and comment below. How do you feel now about this bloody Giants football team? I'll tell you how I feel. For Brandon London, Paul Schwartz, and special guest, Jerry Ferreira. That's a cool name. I'm Lawrence Tynes. We return for our Blue Rush preview podcast Thursday as we look ahead to the Giants Sunday matchup against those speedy dolphins. Thanks for listening to Blue Rush, folks. Cheerio!